Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, we kicked off a brand new mini-series, and this new four-part special is all about Sifted, the number one logistics intelligence platform who are empowering shippers to make smart, data-powered business decisions. Last week, in our first episode called Empowering Confident Decisions, I was joined by Amy Bensman to take a closer look at the Sifted score, how it works, how it helps to deliver categorized insights for quick actions, and exactly how Sifted are empowering ship- shippers to make confident and future-proof decisions. Plus, Hubtech and Cargo Chief joined me on the show to chat about how they are coming together to be the best solution on the market for their clients, how their technologies are pulling some big wins, and what is on the minds of everyone in logistics right now. Both really great episodes, so I hope you enjoyed them. But remember, if you missed them, you can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com or over on our YouTube channel, or anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. They were episodes 285 and 286. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. And now a word from our sponsor. It's time to take control over your supply chain with Cavallo. Cavallo is a distribution management solutions provider founded by an experienced distributor who spent two decades perfecting and optimizing Cavallo's high-powered user-friendly software. Cavallo offers the ability to have complete control of your process with automated workflows that offer business rules and alert logic that will streamline your distribution operations. Leverage Cavallo's state-of-the-art business intelligent platform that provides real-time intelligence of your customers' orders, alerting you if they are out of compliance or even better, bringing awareness to areas in your business that are driving exceptional value. With a data-driven approach to supply chain management, Cavallo enables a network of cloud, on-prem, and integrated solutions that offer a path to excellence no matter where you are in your technical journey. For more information on how to accelerate growth with Cavallo's business intelligent platform and its game-changing distribution management software, visit Cavallo, C-A-V-A-L-L-O dot com today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Today, I'm excited to welcome a woman in supply chain who is as passionate about championing female leadership as she is about bringing stories to life. Can you guess who it is? Well, I'll let you know after our poll of the week. So this was a fun one. The question that we asked you, what incoterm are you? Well, we had just under 500 votes. And there's still a week left. 51% of you said X-Works, do your own thing. 25% of you said CIF, everyone's favorite, which is so exciting to see because supply chain's never really been everyone's favorite. But if supply chain professionals are now seeing themselves as everyone's favorite, we are moving up in the world. 18% said FOB, wannabe cool kid. And 6% of you said... um, other comment below. So Philip says solo entrepreneur, X works or nothing. We also had some great comments from Rhonda, my international commercial term RYV, respect your vessel. 
Miguel says DDP, full service here. I love that. Christian, Xworks is witch's brew and B2B, same, same, but different for DDP. Annette, I am DAP. I want to know why what they think DAP means for themselves. Kersey says DDP or DAP. Christian, what would interest me a lot? What's the reason to choose Xworks over others for so many of you? It has so many drawbacks. Interesting. We want to start a conversation. Tarek says, it depends on whose perspective. Customers, suppliers, FOB is preferred both ways. Kristen says, CIF is the absolute worst service. FOB or Xworks all day. All right. So we're not just getting into which Inco term we think we are. We're also getting into what the Inco terms mean and which ones you like the best, which I love. Tess says, DDU, doing full service underpaid. Oh, interesting. Zara says, Xworks. Norbert says, DDP. And uh, Lini says X words as well. Well, thank you so much to everybody who participated in our poll of the week. You know that we ask a question every single Wednesday morning and we love to hear from you. So make sure to come back this Wednesday and uh, participate in our poll so you can be also featured in an upcoming episode. Now back to today's podcast and the powerhouse woman in supply chain I have with me today is Jolene. Jolene launched her career in high-tech PR 20 years ago and has never looked back. Working at leading brands, including Emulix, Blue Yonder, and now Farai, Jolene has driven global corporate communication strategies encompassing brand awareness, public relations, social media, customer and content marketing to great success. And during this time, Jolene has always put a focus on empowering women as a passionate advocate for diversity and inclusion. Today, Jolene will be talking to us about her career so far, her love of storytelling, lifting women up to leadership roles, and some of the evolving trends in supply chain marketing. Plus, she'll be sharing her experiences as a woman in supply chain, as well as her words of advice for all the women following in her footsteps. And of course, we would not be able to have our Woman in Supply Chain series without our sponsor. This Woman in Supply Chain feature was sponsored by Sifted. As a business dedicated to empowering confidence within the shipping industry, we're proud to support women in supply chain. Sifted is the leading logistics intelligence software that combines insights with expertise to empower bigger, smarter shipping decisions. As growth and disruptions present ongoing challenges for supply chain leaders, Thousands rely on Sifted to set their businesses up for success. Learn more about Sifted at Sifted.com. So welcome to the show, Jolene. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I am so excited to have you here. I mean, you are one of my most favorite people in supply chain. And you and I have worked on a few different projects together. Uh, We've created this bond and this friendship around it. And I am just so excited that we get to feature you and we get to talk about you and your journey and your perspectives and so many different things that I love about you. And you and I have so many things in common. I mean, I love your commitment to diversity and inclusion. I love your passion for telling stories. And of course, I love a strong female leader in supply chain. So I cannot wait for our community and our audience to get to know you just a little bit more. Well, thank you. I'm excited. It's the opposite end for me. Usually I'm the one, you know, promoting other women in supply chain or 
companies or, or you when we've worked together before. So mm-hmm. this will be uh, different. Yeah. So let's get into it. As I mentioned in the intro, I love the fact that you say that you're passionate about seeing a story come to life. That's what makes great marketers, right? So did you always have that passion for communication and storytelling? Where do you think that came from? I did, actually. Um, it's funny. But I tell this story a lot when, when, um, whenever I get a great you know, piece of coverage for, for the company I'm working at or whatever it might be. And I call it like a PR geek out moment because it started from the very <laughs> first job I ever had. I was an intern at a high tech PR agency and somehow I had the magic touch right away with pitching media and I landed a cover story as an intern in print for wow. one of the biggest like trade magazines and technology at that point. Total fluke to me, but it was so exciting. I still literally have the the print publication somewhere in my office nice. um, from that. And it was gratifying from that point and throughout my whole career. I just like finding a unique angle, finding a way to make a company relevant in their space or in a different audience. And it's just gratifying. Well, and that was the universe kind of being like, Jolene, I think we found what you're good at. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what a satisfying moment. I mean, as an intern, you know, being able to land something like that and, yeah. you know, like just, I can only imagine what that felt like. Yeah, it was, it was exciting. I mean, I, it was over 20 years ago and I still think about it. So. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And you have to have that framed. I mean, next time I see you, I'd like to see that framed on the wall behind you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So as you utilized all of your talent and launched your PR career, what made you focus on technology? Was it something that, you know, fascinated you? Was it a happy accident that you stuck with? How did you end up in that sector? I'll call it both. Um, You know, I graduated college right after 9-11. Um, And at that point, you know, major recession, no jobs, nobody was hiring. It was really hard to get into my first job in PR. And I actually took a postgraduate internship. It was a paid internship and I'm got a college degree, but I'm going in to be an intern because that was literally the only way in the door at, at any job. So I took the internship hoping they would hire me pretty quickly after full time. And it was at a high tech PR firm. And um, I got into it really quickly because it was a challenge to learn all these different technologies, get ramped up really quickly on what a company does, how the technology works, Mm -hmm. media that might be interested in that technology. At that point, high tech was kind of a growing area um, for PR and for PR agencies to kind of specialize in. Um, And it was always challenging. It was different from say, representing a, a consumer brand, a, you know, a clothing company or something where you kind of always know what you're getting into and right. what the product is, where it's not that challenging to, to pitch a story on a new pair of, you know, pants. Mm-hmm. But if you're trying to find a way to make something relevant to a tech reporter that's covering, you know, Dell and IBM and all these big brands at the time, where what you do is this tiny little piece of what they do, making it relevant was like challenge accepted. Let's make it, let's find a way to make it interesting. So it never got boring. Right. So I kind of stuck with it and kept going. 
I love that. And I think one of the important things that you just mentioned there is that you had a college degree, but you took a paid internship. So right now, there are a lot of talent gaps, but then there's also a lot of applicants that are going for jobs at the moment as well. And so it's kind of like, how do you stand out? How do, what do you do to really get a position? And for you, it was, well, I need to do something. And so I need to learn. I don't want to just sit around and sort of wait and hope for the best. I want to go in there. I want to learn. I'm going to start wherever that needs to be. And then we can go from there and sort of reassess. And I love that mentality because sometimes, you know, we're like, well, I'm just going to wait for what, what, you know, something is going to come around. It has to. But in the meantime, you're not really taking that moment to really learn and upscale right. and all that. And it's, it's the humility in knowing that you do still have a lot of learning to do. You just graduated college. You need the experience. Like yeah. you might have the degree, but for me, when I'm evaluating a candidate for a job, I want to see what their experience is. I don't care what where they got their degree. Yeah. I care what they've done before. So for me, I'm looking at it that way. Like I need the experience. So I'll start here. And it turned out, you know, it took almost eight months of that internship and I finally got hired. But um, and I stayed there for nine years. So it worked wow. out, but, but yeah. And so then you moved on to blue yonder. I mean, did you know anything about supply chain? Did it even occur to you that you were about to be baptized into this crazy world of supply chain? Or did you initially see it as going sort of from one tech company to another? Um, you know, I didn't at first, I knew the company, I knew the brand, I was excited to work for a bigger company. The company before that, that I worked for was a um, storage and networking company. And they were a type of company where, you know, on like the old school phone, you know, with the receiver yeah. and the cord. And it's, the way I would explain it was the technology they made was basically say the phone is the storage device uh -huh. and, and the receiver is the, um, the server, the little cord that connects the receiver to the the phone to the to the receiver, that little plastic piece, that's what my company did. Wow. <laughs> <that> connector. <laughs> Try to make that relevant. <laughs> so I went from that kind of small company to a bigger brand that had an established presence, but was trying to, you know, grow into a much bigger brand name and, and kind of diversify. So um, from that perspective, I, you know, was excited at, and I did not realize the amount of um, kind of commonalities there would be with, with supply chain and how many people you kind of just come across and, and meet and talk to and, you know, all of that. Well, you definitely stuck with it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it kind of gets under your skin. It kind of gets in your blood, right? I mean, yeah. what else can we say about supply? I mean, I mean, when I, you know, when I left Blue Yonder, I, um, you know, took time off. I took a few months, and I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But what surprised me the most was, and I didn't know I would, I'd come back to a, you know, a similar space in, in supply chain and logistics. But um, what surprised me the most was how many people in my network I'd developed and grown over that time that were customers, partners, past coworkers that were all at different companies in the space, mm -hmm. um, you know, competitors, partners, et cetera, um, that I realized how big my network in this area actually had become and mm -hmm. how many people I heard from over that time frame when I was 
between jobs. It was just really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, it just goes to show that you didn't do that on purpose. It just sort of organically happened yeah. because that's how I feel things happen in supply chain. Yeah. Um, but how did you do it? How did you grow that network? You know, I think just partially given my role at Blue Yonder and communications and um, PR and kind of developing customer relationships externally and partners and the amount of people I just worked with all the time on different things, um, I just ended up kind of organically building that. And the amount of people that I heard from after, uh, you know, when I was between jobs that reached out to me to kind of talk and catch up, like shocked me. I was shocked at how many people had, had, you know, remembered our work together and wanted to connect or talk about opportunities. Um, it was really humbling. Yeah. And that just goes to show your character and the integrity and your work ethic and that people really are watching. Yeah, Absolutely. Right. I mean, without you even realizing it. And I think mm -hmm. that's a really important point to just point out maybe to the next generation or, you know, people coming into this industry out of college is that everybody's watching you. They're watching yep. what you're doing and just make a note of that. Right. Because it could be you, the start of you building that network. Mm -hmm. For when you do a transition like Jolene has just mm -hmm. done and how successful or unsuccessful that transition could be. Yeah. And I mean, speaking to that, the amount of trainings that I would do on social media and the importance of building and cultivating your network on LinkedIn and responding to people on commenting and engagement, you know, half the time you're tuned out. They're like, oh, I don't have time for that. But it works. It's, it's how you connect with people, especially in the last couple of years where we've all been stuck yeah. at home, you know, not so much now, but that's the way you're going to connect. You're not yeah. in a room with people all the time. You have to find a way. Yeah. I was just talking to somebody. I think they've started posting once a day or once every other day. They've hit 107,000 impressions in two months and wow. doubled their connections. Wow. Just by intentionally putting out a post on a consistent basis yeah. on LinkedIn. It like that's take that much. It just takes consistency and yeah. just respond to people. I don't yeah. There's not, nothing hard about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, for some people, you know, with time and families and different things mm -hmm. like that, different things come up. And I totally get that. Yeah. But that's actually one of the mantras that we have at Let's Talk Supply Chain. If somebody has taken the time to send us a message, respond to something, that is very, very important to us is that yeah. we take the time back to respond. Either thank you, thank you for sharing, comment back with a perspective. Yeah. I mean, that's what builds your network. That's what right. builds It's not one-way one communication. It's, it's yeah. not. I actually wrote a blog for the PRSA here in Boston, um, and the title of it was something like the the like button is the worst thing to happen to social media because people will comment on on a post. You see all these comments, like thoughtful comments and a bunch of likes from right. the, the person who posted it. If you're not going to engage after posting something and people have like heartfelt comments or even, you know, maybe they're saying something opposite of what you're saying. That's the point. You need to engage back. Mm -hmm. There's I. 
irritates me so much if somebody just <laughs> likes my comment. If it's like a one word, like hi or thanks, yeah. like fine, don't respond to that. But if it's actually a comment, write back. I mean, it's yep. the thing to do. You wouldn't ignore somebody walking down the street and they say something to you. It's the same thing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, I will say that sometimes with the LinkedIn notifications, I do miss some. <laughs> It's easy to miss. Right? It. It's really, yeah. really easy to miss, especially if there's a lot You're that's happening. Sometimes, I don't know, LinkedIn is just like that. <laughs> you do have to be a little bit intentional to make sure yeah. that you are seeing everything. But sometimes I'll even respond a day or two later and I'm just like, oops, like I didn't see right. it, you know, that kind of thing. And just being authentic about, totally. you know, what's going on and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, you really saw and achieved some fantastic success at Blue Yonder. I kind of want to go back to that Blue Yonder because I also don't want to gloss over the fact that you did an amazing job at Blue Yonder. And that's one of the reasons why your network did reach out to you um, for the next step in your journey. Can you talk a little bit about some of your highlights, what you learned? And um, I mean, did it, I mean, it obviously solidified your love of supply chain, but tell us a little bit about the highlights. What did you learn during your time there? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a very interesting, fun journey. I, you know, I did a lot. We, I accomplished a lot. Um, learned a lot of, you know, going down a path and maybe, you know, finding a better way to do things. But, um, you know, it was a challenge trying to come into a company that um, had more of a, not archaic brand, but, you know, an older brand and you're trying to enliven it and make it relevant to, you know, the Wall Street journalism of the world. And how do you do that? And, and just building it up. So we're kind of aiming because supply chain became such a consumer topic yeah. recently, but you know, in 2015, it wasn't really right. a consumer <laughs> topic and we had to find a way to make it relevant. And it was, you know, again, one of those challenges that you have to find a way to, to break in and make it, make it interesting. And the, the so what factor to the everyday reader, um, you know, Bloomberg or Wall Street Journal. Um, so it was, you know, again, building relationships with customers, for example, who, you know, notoriously don't want to talk about their supply chain story because, it's a competitive advantage. They don't want to say who they're working with necessarily unless um, they can talk about it in a way that's about their overall strategy and transformation and have the results to, to back it up, which yeah. I understood, but it was finding those relationships and building them. And, you know, there was one customer that I worked with at um, GE Appliances that um, was just, you know, one of those customers that you'd love to get out there, great brand, great story. Um, but, you know, are they going to actually do it? Or how do you make it interesting to them and, and yeah. make it about them and not about us? So that was really the goal of, of turning the story around and not like, will you do this for us? It was, can we tell your story? Yeah. We're a part of it, but we're not the whole story. So we don't yeah. expect you to be a cheerleader for everything that we do. We want to be a cheerleader for what you're doing. Yeah. So that was, you know, finding the way to, to kind of get to those companies and talk to them and find the right person to, to connect with, to get the story out there. Well, and it's a good point, right? Because they're working with all sorts of different technology companies. Right. And they all want them to be right. able to tell their story. And so it's not only how do we differentiate ourselves so that the Wall Street Journal will pick it up. How do we differentiate ourselves within our clients so that they feel comfortable in sharing their story? 
their story with us for our audience. Right. But we're competing in, with some other technologies that mm-hmm. they're working with as well. And so, you know, that's really difficult. And you have to navigate through um, also PR on the other side. Because <laughs> yeah, I've been blocked by PR. <laughs> that, was, that was the thing. It was like, we need to get to the PR person, my counterpart at that company, and talk yeah. about it PR to PR to get the story of what they will do. Because to your yeah. point, they're getting these vendor requests from every vendor they work with. And if they say yes to us, they have to say yes to the other vendors. And so it was more about, it's not just about us. It's your overall story. We're not yeah. trying to to just tell our story. Let us tell your story and get you to, to do that and yeah. not just be about us. Yeah. Well, the other thing that you did while you were at Blue Yonder is that you were the marketing lead for the Diversity, Inclusion, Value, and Equality Council, which I know you were really passionate about. Can you tell us about that, what it means to you, why it was so important? And do you have any tips for anybody listening who would like to implement something similar in their own workplaces? I loved that program. Uh, you know, we didn't have anything at all before that, you know, minimal. And I think a lot of companies were realizing how important it was to have that, um, you know, in that 2020, 2021 timeframe where there was a lot of unrest among a lot of different areas. Um, so it was one, it was a lot to to learn as we went and, and figure out what we were comfortable with saying internally and externally and when it was okay and when we should say something externally as a brand versus just keeping our mouth shut because you don't have to jump on the bandwagon to every you know black lives matter topic if we don't have a perspective don't have a perspective because you just look like you're just checking the box right so it was it was a lot of that it was a group of people who were across the company in different functions and globally in different backgrounds, which really helped us have a holistic viewpoint um, yeah. and not forgetting, you know, certain, you know, nuances that might really irritate one person in, you know, India or in the UK that maybe I would not have thought of if they weren't in that meeting. So right. it was having that di- diverse group of people on the diversity council intentionally, but then making sure that we had the executive support because without that, you know, it's going to be a, you're, you can't walk the talk without walking the talk. You need that support. Um, and you need to be transparent. My biggest thing. And, and the, the one thing I said we should do from the beginning was we need to do a diversity report, not just internally, we need to do it externally. Mm-hmm. We're not there. You know, we were not diverse. We did not have, um, you know, a good balanced representation across the globe, but we knew that and we had goals to, to get there. So half the battle is just being upfront about that not pretending yes. you're super diverse when you're not. Mm-hmm. So I suggested we do a diversity report. And instead of just recommending it, I just wrote one. I wrote it. I had a design by our creative team. And I said, when they see this, there's no way they're going to say no. They're going to love it because it's compelling. It tells the story, but it's also very honest. And we got it approved. We published it along with a video that we created about why you dive in. And we had people from across the company shoot a quick video or give us like a quote about why they dive in and why it's important to them. And that was really compelling. And it really told the story and had a bunch of different perspectives. And 
Um, you know, so it's transparency, it's having the executive buy-in and knowing when to say something and when to keep quiet. Yeah. And I love all of that. I mean, those are really, really awesome initiatives and even action items that people can take away from this conversation with. Because a lot of times you're like, do I, don't I? I don't know if I want to speak up because, you know, cancel culture, right? That came up in the conversation that I had the other day. And it's really just about, like you said, being honest, taking accountability, taking responsibility publicly and saying, listen, We are not even close to where we want to be, but this is what we want to be doing. And we're going to be trying different things. Some of them will work. Some of them will not work. But just know that our what our intention is and where we're putting our efforts. And I think right. that that is so important. I think one of the challenges that we have, especially in supply chain leadership roles, is that there is a lack of sort of gender diversity. Forget the rest of diversity, just gender diversity still. And we're still sort of having that same conversation. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Why is the industry still not abundant in female talent? Part of me feels like it's everyone wants to have a more diverse, you know, audience in supply chain or, you know, leadership in supply chain. But when it comes down to it, if you're looking for speakers for a panel and you have, you know, five white male speakers who all agreed to speak, are you going to then say, no, we need to pull in some females? Are you going to say, you know, oh, we have to go back to the drawing board and find more? And then they just don't do it. And they say, we're going to go what we have. We don't have time. It needs to become like ingrained in your head when you're looking at these, you know, candidates for speaking on something and keeping that in mind. And you don't want to have like a token female on a panel, but you want to be thinking about it when you're evaluating people for something like that and, and the type of variety of people you want on a panel that you do have variety, whether it be female to male or just diverse backgrounds and races. You just, it just needs to become more ingrained, I think, and but also not a forced thing either, because it's a, it's a yeah. balance. Because you don't want to, I don't want to be a token female in a room. <laughs> I don't know that you do either. <laughs> no, but I think it's important that we're thinking about it. Right. I think it's also important that we are thinking outside of the box as to what title could be included in that conversation. So, you know, with the blended pledge, that's what we're doing, right? Is we're changing the conversation about who should be up on stage, who should in quotation marks, (laughs) because at the end of the day, we've been subject to the C-suite. We've been subject to VPs. We've been subject to experts. And yes, there is definitely um, a place for them for sure. But the people in the audience are not necessarily resonating with them anymore, right? Right. Not everybody in the audience, a portion of the audience, but a portion of the audience wants to see people like them. They also want to see people in roles like them. And that doesn't mean that they're all in the C-suite, that everybody in that audience is in the C-suite. They want to hear from somebody that is in engineering. They want to hear from somebody who's on the front lines. And that's where we need to really think about and reevaluate who's part of the discussion, who's part of the conversation. And I think that will open it up. That'll open up this world of possibility as to who can participate and who can't. It's such a good point because you're right. Like the the VP, the, the CIO, whatever, they they're not going to resonate with someone who's, you know, on the front lines of a, of yeah. a role or something. And it needs to be those the actual doers, the people who are in that function. 
I find the same thing at, at events, you know, it's like, it's either like the big brands that, you know, I know that whatever they're doing from a PR perspective, I at a, you know, now at a small, more startup type company, like that's not going to work for me because nobody knows who we are. They know who you are, you know, IBM or whatever. Um, so you do want more of that, like on the ground, you know, type of, of person. It'll just resonate way more. Absolutely. And so I know you're also passionate about women championing each other and raising each other up, but I've had a few conversations with women who've admitted that they've been nervous to raise other women up because if there's only one seat at the table for a woman, you might not want anybody else to get it before you, right? So how do we tackle this particular topic and mentorship? Is it mentorship? Is it, you know, the, and how do we tackle these women to woman relationships in a competitive and male dominated environment? What should we be thinking about? I mean, at the end of the day, that kind of stuff really drives me crazy because nobody else is going to advocate for us except for ourselves and except for, you know, the rest of our gender. Right. It's so true. And and funny that you say that because it would never cross my mind to compete with somebody else. I'm not competitive at all. So that's part of it. But, um, you know, I'm all for, you know, mentorship and championing each other, because like you said, if we're not going to do it, no one's going to do it for us or with us. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, if there's only one seat at the table, then shame on them. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. there needs it's to also, be more. <laughs> so, like I do this woman in supply chain series and people don't advocate for themselves. They don't share the episode, you know, with their community to let them know that this is my oh, journey funny. and things like this. It drives me and it drives me crazy because we're doing so we have so many amazing conversations on here. And I wish so many people would just learn so many, so much more about our guests. Yeah. But I can only do so much. Right. Well, yeah. and it's funny, the other thing, you know, with the topic and, you know, moniker of women in supply chain or women in whatever technology field it might be, like, it's 2022 in a way, like, why do we still need these types of, you know, awareness opportunities? It's like, we shouldn't have to, but we do. We still need to focus on International Women's Day and, you know, whatever. And, to me, it's like, in a way, it's like this push-pull between, like, why are we promoting, proliferating this still that there has to be this, you know, you have to say it's women in supply chain, kind of like the idea of, like, well, you wouldn't say, you know, male doctor, like, you would say female doctor, but why are we saying that? And it's the same thing. We still do it. Why do we do it? We need to stop. But... The only way to raise awareness is to keep doing this. <laughs> that is very, very, very true. And I mean, you know, for the other podcast, the Blended Podcast, which is more around uh, more diversity and inclusion, you know, that's why I called it Blended because yeah. it was like, I don't want to do something else that's called DEI and all of that kind of stuff. And I can't really rename this series either because everybody knows it right. <laughs> and it's recognized, but it's also in how you present something like this too, right? I started this so that we could learn about journeys so that we could really just look at and be able to resonate with people like you, Jolene, mm -hmm. about your journey and what that's looked like, what you've gone through, what you've learned, you know, all of that kind of thing. And you're right, though. It doesn't need to be named Woman in Supply Chain, but mm -hmm. it does need to be named Woman right. in Supply Chain. Like, it's such right. a catch-22. It totally is. I mean, it's funny when you say that about story and telling the story and the journey, and that's how we met, right? Because you yep. were 
I interviewed you for our blog, our Wednesdays for Women blog back in the day. And it's just so interesting to find out where people began in their story. And even when you'd asked me before to be on this podcast and now he's like, oh no, I'm not, I, I, shouldn't be on, I shouldn't be on that. And, but it's about, for me, this type of opportunity is now a way to continue to raise awareness for women in supply chain. Yes, I am working as a female in a supply chain type mm-hmm. company, but am I on the front lines? No. Am I, am I promoting and totally supporting every woman in supply chain? Heck yes. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. I love that. Well, now let's start. Let's talk about where you are right now, because you started with Farai at the beginning of the year. And so congratulations on this newish position. They're a great company and we've had them on the show before. Plus, you guys have a live show with us, which is amazing. So talk to us about the role and what you're doing with them. What are you working on? Yeah, um, thank you. I I joined Farai in January and, you know, part of the part of my, you know, job aspirations when I took my little purposeful unemployment, as I call it, between jobs was to find a place where I could go and kind of start from scratch and not have a program, not have anything I'm inheriting from, you know, somebody else in my role. There was no role. (laughs) My role is new. It's, you know, a lot of the function in the marketing team are brand new. So, you know, my role was created for me. So it was exciting to come in and, you know, manage um, things from the start and kind of figure it out. So my role is technically marketing strategy and communication. So everything from PR to AR to social media to community, customer and content. So it's really a whole bunch of things. Um, And it's been really fun. I mean, we've we've created, um, you know, a new narrative for the company and the eight months that I've been here. We started over and created a kind of new positioning and new strategy for us that we announced a month ago. And it was really exciting to be part of that and to really create and drive and develop that content with our CMO. And we just worked really well together to to develop it with the executive team and, you know, see what happens. So um, it's just been a lot of fun. We've had a good time with it. I love to hear that. I love to hear that because you got to really like what you do, right? Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't something that you took lightly. I mean, you took time to figure out what it was that you wanted to do, what kind of company that you wanted to work with. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's really important, too, when you're looking at a role, when you're looking at maybe starting something and doing something for an organization that's really from scratch, too, right? And being able to customize what it is that you can bring to the table and what you can do for a company too. Really, really important things. So your career has spanned 20 years. (laughs) And in that time, it's not just the headlines that have changed. PR and marketing and the way that it's done has changed really drastically, right? Can you talk to us about some of the emerging trends when it comes to contemporary communication? I'm particularly interested in the developments happening in augmented reality right now. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, back in the beginning, you know, the press release was like the be all end all communication vehicle for everything. And now, you know, I I write a handful of press releases a year now. I mean, they're just not that relevant anymore. There's just way better ways to communicate, um, you know, with the media, with the, you know, influencer community, you know, social media community has become a much bigger way of, of, 
you know, brand awareness and recognition um, and customer stories. I mean, that will always be a, a big thing. But I think uh, the community piece, the the social media piece has been huge. And it's less about, you know, news, hard news, you know, breaking news. There's not really there's not much in technology that's breaking news unless you're like an Apple, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's more of relationship building. It's telling a story. Like I said, yeah. it's just, you know, building that long-term relationship where they, you're a source for, you know, whatever the reporter might be working on or the analyst or whatever it might be. And, and that to this day, that won't change. It's just the way we get to them and communicate always seems to evolve. Yeah. And so many things to consider too, right? Like it's sometimes overwhelming because there's a lot of things and a lot of moving pieces that you got to consider as a part of your marketing and communication strategy. And, you know, I've been through startups and and all sorts of things and you really got to pick and choose where your lane is. Right. Right. Like LinkedIn has been really, really huge for us. And so some people, you know, on some of the other social media platforms, you know, we might not have as many followers as we do on LinkedIn and and you really need to pick your lane and where you want to focus and I and yeah. be consistent, right? Because I think that's really powerful too. Yeah, absolutely. So you have some incredible achievements to be proud of. You were named a top woman in PR in 2017. You've achieved enviable coverage and social media results for the brands that you've worked for. So tell us, what's the one thing you're most proud of that most people might not know about? Well, now I've mentioned it a couple times on this conversation, but I really think leaving my job without having a job was, one, it was a risk, but I'm proud of it because I learned a lot and I heard from a lot of people who were in similar situations where they just didn't know where to go next and what to do. And I firmly believe everyone should do it at some point in their life and just take the leap and take a few months off and figure it out. Because until you're away from the day-to-day work and can really clear your mind of the routine, the schedule, the the bad habits, the um, you know lack of boundaries sometimes, uh, you know the got to be on all the time feeling, you can't really shed that until you've left and and kind of just had a day where you can get up, take a walk, go to the gym, have some coffee. Like it was really fun. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. And I actually did a lot of connecting with prior coworkers and all that and just caught my breath and, and was able to figure out what I wanted to do. So, you know, I'm proud that I did it and I've, I've retained everything that I kind of wanted to take with me and, and not kind of go back to bad habits work style wise. And I really kept to it and it's been more than eight months since I've started my new job. So I'm pretty sure they stuck. (laughs) I'm pretty sure they did, but that gave me goosebumps. I mean, I think that that's just awesome. I mean, I'm proud of you. There's not a lot of people that could do that, you know, and really take the time, Mm -hmm. right. To be intentional about what you want to do with the time. Yeah that you have and what that means for you as a person to really figure out what that is. But the other thing that I want to mention is that this month's episode of Blended, you're also going to be talking about boundaries in our gaslighting episode as well. So we're actually highlighting you twice this month. I know. It's a little weird. <laughs> All right. Well, finally then, what advice do you have for girls and women looking to follow in your footsteps? 
trust yourself, you know, and, and, you know, if you're interested in doing something different or making a change in whatever you're doing, do it, you know, take a chance, try something. I like to think about, you know, having a fail fast mentality. Like if it doesn't work, so what you stop and do something else. I feel like, you know, for example, LinkedIn live was something that I was to me a fail fast mentality thing. We did a blue yonder where it was pandemic and we we're like, you know, what are we going to do? Um, to kind of keep attention on us and grow thought yeah. leadership while everyone's stuck at home. And we started doing LinkedIn live and I'm like, if it doesn't work, we'll stop. Big deal. We can always erase the episodes if they don't go well. And, you know, it's just not being afraid to try something and just go for it. Yeah. I was part of a, I was asked to comment on a post on LinkedIn the other day and it was about the word failure. And I was like, we need to change the word. There's yeah. so much negativity around it. I mean, if something does not work for you and it's making you miserable or you're anxious all the time or yeah. whatever, just pause. You have the choice right. to pause, to stop, you know, to. Yeah, um, we do it to ourselves. It's like, we, why, why are we doing that? Like, if it's yeah. not working, don't do it. Yeah. I mean, we always say here, like, do try anything just don't break anything but whatever else you can just go for it <laughs> yeah yeah I love that well I am so sad to draw this interview to a close you and I can talk for a long time yeah. and we have before and you know maybe you can join me on another episode at some point because I think that there's just so much more that you can share and that we can learn from you and your journey and it's been a real treat to pick your brain about PR and marketing which I don't get to talk about quite as as much as I'd like. So it's been an honor to hear your thoughts about leadership and the roles of women in the industry. And I hope everybody listening was paying attention and taking notes. And honestly, it's just been a pleasure to get to know you more and hear about your journey. I hope everyone will go away feeling inspired by your passion and your commitment because I know I will. So a massive thank you to you, Jolene, for joining me today for our Woman in Supply Chain series. Thank you for having me. Did you know that the average cost of losing an hourly supply chain worker has reached $19,607? And that recent research shows that 77% of hourly supply chain workers are considering a job change in the next three months. This could have a huge impact on your productivity, bottom line, and culture. Workstep is helping supply chain companies to better engage their distributed hourly workforce at scale. Understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to make positive changes and reduce attrition. Workstep has successfully helped many companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn more. If you would like to hear more from us here at Let's Talk Supply Chain, we have plenty more for you. Featuring the best and brightest in the industry, head over to letstalksupplychain.com to check out the latest. You can also go to Let's Talk Supply Chain on YouTube. We've got a lot of really great shows over there. But if you are looking for a solution to a supply chain challenge, we have most likely had them on the show. So if you go to letstalksupplychain.com and use the search function, put in your keyword, all of the content based on that keyword will come up and we have interviewed those solutions. So you can actually listen to how they can help you before you get into their sales process.
And remember to come back next week for episode two of our Tomorrow's Insights Delivered Today mini-series with Sifted. I'm going to be joined by Kevin Miller to talk all about what simulation and modeling means, some common misconceptions, the benefits of using simulation to make smart supply chain adjustments, and how predictive modeling has the potential to revolutionize your business's sustainability goals. It's going to be absolutely fascinating, so make sure to tune in. Plus, we have another new episode with Michael of Estes Forwarding Worldwide. To learn more about how they are helping their clients navigate through the complex world of logistics post-pandemic and what you need to know about how they are helping their clients and how they can help you too. If you enjoy the show, there's a few ways to support us. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're also over on TikTok as well. You can subscribe to the show on Let's Talk Supply Chain on YouTube, as well as subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. You can find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com. Plus, Ships is an intelligent marketplace connecting shippers with the world's best service providers, freight forwarders, 3PLs and NBOCCs. Communicate and share information through the quoting process while easily and securely comparing features, value, and prices. Save time, effort, and money as you book, track, and manage your freight and cargo shipments. Start your journey on ships.com today. And remember, if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.